Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by fellow co-host and editor of thewolfpacker.com, Matt Carter. And we're also joined by another special co-host, Matt Coe, contributor, new contributor to the Wolfpacker.com and new uh, contributor to the Wolfpacker Podcast. So we say Hello to Matt, and we will introduce Matt in just a second here. But before we do, some quick reminders for the listeners and viewers at home. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. So head over there, subscribe, give us a five-star review. We appreciate your support. And also, head over to our YouTube channel, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It helps us out tremendously. If you're watching us on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. And a last reminder, please head over to thewolfpacker.com right now and take advantage of a special deal going on. For just a dollar, you can get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 network, including thewolfpacker.com and all the great work that Matt Carter does over there at the Wolfpacker. And of course, Matt Coe and myself, I come off the bench from time to time, take advantage of the special deal. For just a dollar, you get a year's worth of premium subscription. It's a great deal, best deal in sports media right now, so take advantage of it right now. Okay, Matt Coe, and I have to say Matt Coe because I can't just say Matt. We have two Matts on the podcast now, but Matt <laughs> Coe, getting onto the NC State beat this year, getting your, your toes wet, you know, you know, getting some media credentials, going to the games, being on the baseline, seeing the action up close and personal. You've been following this team for many, many years, as, I, as I've already heard, but this is your first year 
on the beat. So Matt, tell us about your thoughts on your first year, how this experience has been, because because you've got fans back in the stadium now, so you don't have the empty crowd. It has it, it wasn't the worst year to get started. Last year would have been the worst year to get started. That was that was when I had the you know credentials. I was going to the games, no fans. It was <laughs> boring you're sitting up in the concourse you know whatever but matt you're up there you're personal so what are your thoughts on this nc state season so far is nc state heading in the right direction now after a second acc win going on the road last night picking up a big one over louisville your thoughts matt uh well first of all thank you guys for having me on uh, it is really an honor and ask anybody that knows me uh <laughs> the one thing I want to do in my life is, is work for NC State basketball. And uh, you guys over at the Wolfpacker made that possible. So I'm super, super excited. I'm on cloud nine. And I'm super excited to just be in the moment. You know, I know it's a little bit of a down year and some fans are a little bit, you know, stressed out with some of the results. But overall, I think, you know, this team has a lot of fight in them. And we saw that last night. I think that being in the moment of this game, kind of brought some some fandom back into our lives as NC State's fan, NC State fans. We've been so close and we've been in this type of game all season long and we finally got over that hump of getting in our own way. It, it felt like no matter where this game was going, whether Louisville was making it close or trying to go on a run, NC State answered right back immediately. And it honestly felt like they were playing grown up. Uh, I know a lot of fans like to say, you know, this, this team is young, and this team is young, and we, we rely on some freshmen from time to time. But I feel like this is a grow-up type of game, and, and they answered back in a, in a really positive way. So I'm just happy to see the team finally, you know, they've been so close to this win all season long, they finally get it. So hopefully we can, we can get in the right direction. It's the type of game you have to have coming up on uh, Duke because that's going to be probably the toughest game of the season without a doubt, playing in Cameron. So this is the type of, of play you want to see from your team. Matt Coe, some great points you brought up there. You talked about the resiliency of this team. You talked about how last night specifically, that's what I want to talk about with Matt Carter here. I'm going to throw you a question about last night, Matt. Road win over Louisville. Matt Coe brings up some great points in the sense that NC State went on runs, took leads, Louisville fought back. And NC State had an answer every time Louisville tried to get back into the game and finally went into a game in the last minute where you weren't on the edge of your seat concerned that NC State wasn't going to be able to close it out. I think that might have been the first time in two months NC State won a game with a minute left on the clock. So, Matt Carter, my question to you is, NC State, 2-4 and four now in ACC play, seen, won two of the past three games, two, two in a row on the road now in conference play. It seems like NC State's got... Don't speak too soon, but a little bit of momentum here. Of course, like Matt mentioned, Matt Coe mentioned, going to Duke, going to be one of the tougher games, if not the toughest game of the conference stretch this season. So a bad time to be picking up some momentum. But my question to you, Matt, what did NC State do differently last night? What has NC State done differently in these two wins, these two road wins that have led to the success and, you know, something that NC State could maybe uh, – lead into the rest of conference play and try to build off of yeah well last night it's simple 12 or 25 from three-point range right i mean they made shots sometimes basketball is a simple sport and as i noted uh, in quick hits 
This is the worst shooting field goal percentage team since 1993 or 94 or something to that regard. So uh, that's over a quarter century. That's, that's how bad the shooting has been. Um, they, they, it's not a good shooting team, but when it does shoot well, you see the potential of the team. It's just that hasn't been there. They've only shot 50% or better three times I believe in 17 games now. Kind of, yeah, it causes you to go, whoa. I mean, really? Not even against Bethune, Cookman, or Central Connecticut State, you could go over 50%. Last night, they made 12, what, 12 or 25 threes? Something That's ridiculous. Close to 40, like high 40%. Not, not a repeatable shooting performance. Yeah. So, that was the number one thing. I think with Virginia Tech, if you go back and look at that, I think Virginia Tech was off. Right now, Virginia Tech clearly missing something, winless mm-hmm. in the ACT. So I think, honestly, that played a role in it. They missed some open threes. They're known as a live or die by the three team. They died by the three that night. Um, and they, they, got, they got things to figure out. You hope they don't figure it out when they play NC State because yeah, Matt Coe and I have talked about this. If you get to February, the schedule starts looking a lot better for NC State. And the tougher part of the ACC schedule was front-loaded this year. You get to February, you get a three-game stretch at home with Syracuse, Notre Dame, Wake Forest. Then you go to Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech on the road, Boston College at home. That right there is probably the three worst teams right now in the ACC. Uh, and you get UNC at home. At Wake at Florida State to close the year. So after Duke, you have a couple of games here at home against Virginia Tech and Virginia, and then you go to Notre Dame and then to UNC. So these next few games are going to be very important to turn, if they really have turned a corner. We'll find out in those four games, um, not necessarily Duke, because that's, I agree with everybody that that's a tough matchup for NC State. Duke has size. They got the ability to go into paint. Even their guards are built like linebackers. I mean, Trevor Kills is like a tight end or a linebacker out on the basketball court. Um, but honestly, last night, to me, it was simple. They made shots. Jericho Allen went five at seven from three. Dequavion Smith went six at nine. Some of those shots that Smith hit, nothing Louisville could have done. Sorry, I mean, <laughs> he's going to make those shots. There ain't nothing you can do about it. So... That, to me, was the simplest simplest way to describe it. And if they can find a way to shoot 56% from the field and, and 49 or whatever percent from three-point range, they'll beat a lot of teams. I think the key is finding a way to finish when you're shooting low to mid-40s, which has kind of been your, your norm this year. Sometimes it is as simple as making mm-hmm. shots. Matt, a seasoned veteran on the NC State beat, and that's the analysis. Make shots, win games, Matt. But here's 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 what I want to talk about some more with you guys. Why were they making shots? I thought last night watching the game, and also thinking back to the Virginia Tech game, what impressed me the most about those wins is not just that NC State made shots. They were making shots because they were creating better looks for themselves on offense. They, the ball was moving better. 
the key for this team on offense is ball movement. When NC State doesn't move the ball, they want to play hero ball, they want to go ISO, it's a recipe for disaster because this isn't a good shooting team and you don't have a lot of shooters that are great shooting off the dribble. You have to get good looks. If you give Terquavion Smith open looks, if you give Jericho Hellams open looks, they're going to post the numbers like they did last night. And my theory behind NC State getting these better looks these past few games couple reasons a you've got Ernest Ross on the floor for more minutes he's a more athletic big he spreads the floor a little bit more and b you're giving Darion Sebron more looks at the point he's bringing the ball up the court more and when Sebron brings the ball up the court more it forces the defense to retreat go protect the rim that leaves shooters at the wing to Quavion Smith Jericho Hellams Thomas Allen trailing in transition giving them good looks to make those shots. I like what I'm seeing from NC State when Darion Sebron runs the point. I know the way the roster's made up that that's not always possible. So my question to you, Matt, is Matt Coe. I'm going to throw it back to Matt Coe here. (laughs) What do you think about the point guard situation at NC State right now? Because it seems that NC State is throwing in a little bit of hybrid mix. Now you've seen Cam Hayes come off the bench, what, in the past three games in a row now. Darion Sebron taking the ball up the court on more looks now. How do you think the offense looks with Sebron at the point? Do you want the ball in Sebron's hands more? And and, and how do you, how does Cam Hayes kind of fit into that equation? Because he's still a good ACC player, and he's still good enough to be in the rotation in this mix. But it just seems at times that the ball sticks to the hand a little bit too much. And when the shot's not falling for Cam, I think it will, but it's not right now. And when it's not, he's just a different player. Yeah, so I I want to work backwards. So I I know that he kind of gets lost in the mix, but everybody knows I'm a huge Breon Pass fan. I feel like he doesn't do anything great, but he does a lot of nitty-gritty things. And I I just wish he would get a couple more minutes if Cam is going to struggle shooting like this. Um, I don't have the exact numbers up in front of me, but I do know that in the first 10 games of non-conference, uh, Cam was a double-digit scorer, and except for, for one game. Um, and then in that game, he had five assists. Cam has the ability to score, but ACC play has hit him like a ton of bricks. And I think it was smart of Keats to kind of reel him back in and put him on the bench and kind of see the game at a slower pace. Now, again, Cam struggled, shot one for seven, one for four from the three-point line, did have four assists and only one turnover, so I don't want that to go unnoticed because he does a good job of not turning the ball over. I wish that he would assist a little bit more if he's going to struggle shooting, but albeit it is what it is for right now. My problem with Cam is settling for the three. There's a lot of times, especially last night, where he's taken long three-point shooters, and he is not that type of player. He's never been that type of player. It doesn't mean he can't get there. But he has to understand, and when you're in a shooting struggle and such a slump that he's in, get to a spot you know. He's great off the pick, pick and pop type of guy. He's good around the free throw line, those mid-range shots. That, that's what got him buckets last year. I don't know why he's shying away from that. Um, Sebron. So Sebron is the prototypical point forward and he has played that to a T and it's it's obvious at this point that if this team's going to win he has to play point forward and I'm all good with it I mean 
he didn't even really score the ball. He only had 15 points, but he shot six of nine and really didn't get going until the second half. Uh, he only had two points in the first half, had the rest in the second, but finished the game with seven rebounds, five assists, did have three turnovers, but, I mean, this guy is chasing a triple-double almost every single night. I, I don't see why not, uh, why you can't put him at the point from every game here on out. Um, I, I love the complimentary piece. I mentioned it in, in one of the pregames. Um, I think it was the Clemson game where I said Terquavion is, is his Robin to, to his Batman. And we saw Batman and Robin, like, go <laughs> off last night. I mean, they looked stellar. And it's amazing because I know, I know a lot of fans were talking about this last night. And I thought it was kind of weird, too. We only shot six free throws. So for this team to win by 16, we we had more points in the paint, which is not something we can say really to any game this year. Um, it, it just goes to show, like, this team did something that it has not done all season long. That's set screens. That's make the extra pass. There were times where they settled for the three-point shot, but I feel like that's because the ball kind of got a little stagnant. But with Sebron at point, I feel like, the offense now has some type of way that it can alter and it can it can change in the moment. And as before, we were very stagnant. So I, I can really appreciate Zebron playing the point. And I think he's doing a great job. Matt Carter, your thoughts your thoughts on the uh, the point guard conversation, the offensive discussion, just maybe some tweaks that Kevin Keats has made these past few games. Because I also think Ross plays a role in it too. Yeah, you know, it's hard offensively when you don't have a low post threat. It's something Matt Crow talked about with me. Manny Bates quit was developing at, at a low post score. He was not going to be a 20 points per game score. Let's not get confused. But he was a double-digit score down on the block. And he was working on a, a drastically improved free throw shooting, for instance, from year one to year two. I'm not sure I buy into the notion he was going to shoot three-pointers this year, like uh, Kevin Keith talked about. But, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he had developed a a 10 to 15-foot turn-and-face shoot-type offensive move. You don't have any of that right now, right? I mean, you can throw it into DeWiner and hope, um, but the reality is most of their points are going to come on short baskets around the rim. So it's hard offensively when everything has to be 15 feet out to get to get points. And that's why having the ball in Sebron's hands, to me, makes a lot of sense. Because if, if Matt Coe was talking about, uh, yeah, the ball was a bit stagnant and settling for jumpers, Sebron attacks the rim. That's what he does. He does it better than anybody in the ACC that I've seen this year. It's why he's on NBA draft radars if you look at the internet. Um, he's a unique talent at six foot seven with that kind of athleticism and quickness and speed. And he can get to the basket. And in a way, that kind of makes up a little bit for not having a low post score because he becomes a guy that can get to the rim and cause defense to leave guys open. I think the key for Seaborn is to turn it over a little bit less. Uh, he's had some turnovers. He had a, a pretty 
pretty bad one with uh, Jared West that just flat out stripped him in the backcourt and took it in for a layup. Those kind of things have to stop. And he's had a couple of charges where he got too deep where he had the guy in the corner for an open three. Pass it one step sooner and you're not in that position to get the charge. So little things like that, he's got to get better. But I think right now for this team, this is the best way to go. Cam Hayes will find his shot. I've done, you know, I've seen this a lot. At some point, the shot will fall again for him. And he will start getting on a nice stretch. And you will see him back in the lineup, I'm fully convinced. And and at that point, you will have two ball handlers on the court, which will be an asset for you. But right now, Cam's still kind of trying to find the confidence in his shot. I think this is realistically kind of the only way you can go. I'll add, too, that Thomas Allen has played nicer basketball lately, too. So it's kind of the whole, you know, it's a, him stepping up while Cam has kind of gone in a bit of a slump. It, it's nice timing. And so you have another option to kind of play around with the backcourt, move Seabron over to point guard and, and uh, Thomas Allen and, at shooting guard. But I think there is an advantage is it may be down the road if Cam can find his shot, you get him back on the court, then you have a better chance of, of playing small ball, which I know a lot of fans wouldn't mind seeing. When you put Seabron more as a four, you're kind of in a torn on role, which I think he would be unbelievable in. Uh, and go with Hallam, Seabron, Hayes, uh, Smith, and then whoever's hotter between Allen and Morsell. Um, so that, uh, you know, that might be an option down the road as well, but yeah, I think that it's going to be a challenge offensively just because you can't throw the ball in and have a high percentage shooter in the paint. And uh, you, Matt mentioned Cam Hayes' assist numbers. It's hard to have a lot of assists too, to, in fairness to Cam, when the rest of the team is shooting 41% from the field and you're not making shots. Well, and it's also harder to create plays and to to force the defense to move the way you want it to move when the shots aren't falling, right? The defenses don't have to respect the ball screens as much when they're kind of like, you know what, Cam, if you want to shoot that 30-footer, go right ahead. And, uh, and you know he's not afraid to take him from time to time. Uh, speaking of guys that's not afraid to take him from time to time, Terquavion Smith. I know where you're going with this. You're, yeah, I'm going to Turquavion Smith because, uh, you know, say what you want about the young man, but uh, no one will ever accuse him from shying away from a shot. So you come off a game against Clemson where you really could have used a couple of those threes last night. You you, you, you wish you would have gotten maybe two or three against Clemson and maybe two or three against Louisville, but you'll take it when it comes. So he goes 0-7 from the field against Clemson. Cold night. Six of nine from three last night was the player of the game, I thought. I mean, you know, Darion Sebron made a lot of things possible. Jericho Helms had a great night from three, but Terquavion Smith was just on one last night. Kind of seems to be what NC State fans should just come to expect with Terquavion Smith. Which Terquavion Smith's going to show up? Because there's going to be nights like that. Matt Carter and I, we went to his high school games. We've been talking about Terquavion Smith for what seems like three years now. And the rapport on Terquavion Smith has always been 
you're going to get those nights where he's going to take six or seven shots and he's not going to make one of them. But then you're also going to get nights like last night that can win you ball games. So, Matt Coe, how do you handle Terquavion? What does Kevin Keats need to do with Terquavion Smith the rest of the way? Because, you know, you get to a certain point in this season, you're still playing for this season, you're still competing in the ACC, you've got the easier part of your ACC schedule on the back end, so there's still a lot to play for this season. But you're also looking at this roster from last night, and you're looking at one senior, two sophomores, and two freshmen on the court in the final minute of the ball game to win a game on the road in the ACC. This is a young team, and you look at this roster, Terquavion Smith, as great as he's been, I hate to break it to him, but he's not going to the NBA this summer. So he's probably going to be back, assuming he doesn't transfer, which he wouldn't have any reason to because he shoots whenever he wants. So he's going to be back. Does he need to have a more featured role as the season progresses to prepare for next season? And should he be should he be the bus driver of this team? Is this team best when Terquavion Smith has the most points on this roster? Matt so Coe. I've been on yeah, so I've been on former podcasts and this is uh, dating back to the preseason where we, we landed Terquavion and, and what we thought of him as a player. And I said that I wasn't a huge believer in Turquavion. I knew that the talent was there. I was worried about his efficiency. Um, I'm waving the white flag. Uh, I, I am man enough to admit that I am wrong. Uh, he is a bucket, and Keats is definitely right about that. He's fun, man. He's so fun. I... I I think everybody, including myself, thought he would hit a wall come ACC play because that's just what freshmen do. And if anything, he's been probably our best player since ACC play on terms of in terms of the offensive um, output. He's so good at just making tough shots. I don't like him dribbling up, has he pull up, none of that. I just like him being a spot-up shooter. That's where he's best at. I don't know if he needs to be our anchor offensively. I, I don't like the idea still, as great as Turquavion is, I don't like the idea of a freshman being your your go-to scorer. But if he's making shots like he was making last night, he has to be. I mean, there was a corner three where he shot over two Louisville defenders. And I was just like, what the heck was that? And it's just – he's it's ridiculous. Like He's just out here making just such ridiculous shots. I mean, I even said it on Twitter. I was just like, Turquavion Smith is ridiculous. Um, so I don't think that we need to lean on him unless he's doing that right there. I mean, then obviously. But I will say this. If Turquavion's not hitting shots, this team is really having a hard time finding another guy that can go and get his. You know, this team is at its best when Sebron and Turquavion are clicking on all cylinders. And we all know that Sebron, by now, from for every single game, he's going to have a great game. I mean, that's just how he's played. And, and if we're going off of, of of history and receipts, I mean, Sebron has no sign of slowing down. So can Turquavion be consistent enough? And so far he has. But I, I still think that, like, there is going to be a game, like the Clemson game, where he hits a wall. And who's going to step up outside of that? And if nobody else is, then – you know, screw it. Turquavion's just got to keep pulling it because, I mean, he is hitting everything right now. Matt Carter, you know this. Turquavion Smith can shoot you out of a game just as quickly as he can shoot you in a game. 
what does Kevin Keats do in managing his shot selection the rest of this schedule? Because, you know, let's say let's say over this next five-game stretch, NC State finds a way, way to go 3-2. and two. And they go into this back half of the ACC schedule with five wins. They need probably... Mm, at least five at least at least five more to get into any sort of postseason conversation make it a little interesting march here but say that is the case nc state's going to put itself in some situations where you can't afford for your freshman to go 0 for 7 from the field does kevin keats just let terquavion smith cook the rest of the way or is it a game by game basis if you can tell he's cold do you do you kind of tug the leash a little bit you do have to walk a fine line um, yeah, I think Matt made up a good point. He and, he and Darion are the only two guys that can get their own shots. You know, Jericho a little bit, depending on the matchup, might be able to. But, you know, he's really at his best when, like last night, I felt like he got set up for some really nice three-point shots, good looks, made him, made five or seven. That's the best uh, kind of offense. For me, from Jericho Helms. And when you really only right now have a couple guys that can create offense, I think you just got to let them cook. That's me, like you said. And you know, I'm the old old man on the lawn that doesn't like the freshmen and all that stuff. I, I know that. But it comes a lot. It means a lot coming from you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Tequavion is, I think you do have to let them kind of, you have to take the good or the bad, just because of the way your team is currently structured and the way your team is currently producing. Uh, I thought he kind of played it right with the Clemson game. Yeah, you gave him a leash. I think you got to give him a good a good amount of leash. And then when it's clear that it's not working, you try to find something else. And there are going to be games like that. There will be stretches like that. I was really impressed that he bounced back that quickly from the Clemson game because he was bad. Yeah call it for what it was. He was bad in the Clemson game. And uh, apparently he likes playing against the pack line defense. So maybe that'll be a, a positive sign for when they play Virginia here. Yeah, write that you know, down. Write that down. Take the Terquavion Smith over player prop when NC State faces Virginia. Over the points. Yeah. Over the three-point attempts, too. You might want to just smash yeah. the over three-point attempts every game. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think you got to let him cook. Uh, and, and at least for now, until somebody else steps up and starts creating offense with a long leash and then an understanding of he's also the freshman and he's the type that will go. Oh, he will go. He can go 0 for 7, 1 for 9, 2 for 12 in a game. And you kind of have to spot those out and kind of sniff those out because to Quavion's mentality, I think, I don't know him like personally that well but i think his personality is that i'm gonna make the next shot i take i don't care what i'm shooting right now i'm gonna shoot it again i want to take the shot that's what he is that's yeah. his competitive yeah. nature and so uh as a coach he's got to understand Toquavion. right now we need other guys taking shots and so it's gonna be a a, a balancing act i think for kevin keats no doubt about it. NC State 2 and 4 to start this ACC season. Four game stretch coming up is a tough one. At Duke this Saturday in Cameron, then you get the Virginia Virginia teams coming to PNC, Virginia Tech and Virginia come to PNC on Wednesday and Saturday, followed up by at Notre Dame 
and that will be the halfway point of the ACC season. Let's see what NC State can do the rest of this month. I say uh, you pick up a couple more wins in January. You might like where you are heading into February with the way this ACC schedule has panned out for the Wolfpack. NC State certainly making things interesting for fans here these past few games. So, uh, you know, interesting note here. NC State, both ACC wins on the road this year. NC State could sure use a little bit more of a home court advantage. So, uh, fans, you know, you're not doing anything on a home day. Get out there and cheer on this team because no matter what, say what you want about this team, but they're going to compete every night. They're going to fight hard every night. And as an NC State alumni fan base you know that's what you want from your team so go support them anyways that's gonna do it for this podcast All right, i was gonna ask before we wrap Whoa. it up i want to get each, each of y'all's opinion how is the acc shape up right now if you had to put a pecking order on okay the ACC, i know you guys follow it really closely so okay we'll start out with this duke is number one yeah obviously duh Two through fifteen. How do you group them? Oh, I'll wow. let a, I'll since, since Matt is the newbie. I'll let him start out. I want to know how you're grouping these teams right now. Below my feet to the fire. Consid- um, yeah, consider this your rookie hazing, Matt. <laughs> this is yeah. it. well. I, I do want to say one last thing about Turquavion. That's it. My answer. There, Go ahead. A three-way race. Yeah. There's a three-way race for ACC Freshman of the Year, and it's Turquavion, Paolo Bencaro and Blake Wesley for Notre Dame. Nobody other than those three have a chance. And I think, honestly, the ACC kind of made up its mind before the season. You guys do with that information whatever you want. But I think Traquavion's got a good shot. Um, So, Matt Carter, I know I talked to you. I I did release a big, like, preseason ACC prediction that I always do. And my big sleeper was Notre Dame. And I'm still sticking with that. I still think that they're starting to click. and, And they've got a couple of good wins. Florida State is that that interesting team. I think right now there's probably five teams that for for right now look like they're definitely going to get in. And then you've got a, a six team between, you know, maybe Wake. I think they need to get a couple more solid wins. But those teams are Duke, Miami. Um, I'm going to pencil in Carolina and probably Virginia. Uh, I think Notre Dame's got a couple of really solid wins, so I'll put them in there. And then Florida State needs to get it clicking. I really thought Virginia Tech would, would be a lot better than what they are. I know that their bench is really bad, and, and I said that before the season started, that if this team is going to suck, their downfall is going to be their bench. And when Storm Murphy is not hitting shots, it's really hard for this team to compete. Um me personally, I don't think that NC State is a tournament team. I didn't think they were starting into the season even with Manny Bates. Um, but who knows? We can maybe make some magic and, and finish in the top eight or so. But uh, that, those are those are my five teams right now that I think are, are for sure locks. I like it. I like it. You handled the pressure well. Okay, Matt Carter, uh, you've prolonged this podcast, so I'm going to give you my, uh, my ACC tiers. First of all, the uh, Duke, tier of its own. Tier of its own at the top, Final Four contender, K's last run, loaded roster. Okay, then I'm going to give you my NCAA. These are the NCAA tournament quality teams in Tier 2. UNC, Miami. I'm a believer in Miami. I would not be surprised to see Miami get a double bye in the ACC tournament. Now, I know that's not a hot take. They started 5-1 in ACC play. (laughs) But if you can go to Cameron and beat Duke, you can beat anybody in the ACC. And Jim Laranega is a really good coach, and he's 
been pretty unlucky with some injury problems these past few seasons. He's had, you know, some lack of talent on rosters because of those injury situations, and now they're paying dividends because all of these young guards of his are now pretty experienced. Um, and then, the, you know, other than UNC and Miami, uh, to me, there's really no there's really no NCAA locks beyond that point. Then you've got a bunch of bunch of teams together. No, I put Notre Dame in that group. Notre Dame appears poised to be heading towards an NCAA tournament uh, berth, but who knows? They could go for one and four in the next five games and be right back out of it. Uh, you know, Louisville. I mean, they're they're running on fumes right now after that NC State loss. I still don't think that they're completely out of it. I think they're going to end up being somewhere around 500 in ACC play, be on the bubble conversation. Put Virginia in that group. Put Florida State in that group. Put Wake Forest in that group. It's a lot of the same. It's a lot of the same. Clemson, sure. Syracuse, sure. And I think that's where the line is drawn because I don't, you know... I know, I know we're in the business of NC State athletics here. I don't see NC State playing its way into a bubble conversation. I would certainly love to have – I'd love it to happen. Nobody would love it to happen more than me. But that's where I think the line is drawn. And then, you know, you've got, you've got the rest. I don't – you know, I, I think NC State's a better team than, than Boston College, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh. Clearly they went up to Blacksburg and won. I think Virginia Tech will bounce back more than they have in this 0-4 start. But – yeah, it's you know there's there's three or four teams you feel good about going to the NCAA tournament, and then after that it's a bunch of bleh, you know. <laughs> Could you do that again, just so the people can, in case they so they don't have to rewind the video to watch you. Bleh. Yeah, that's what the ACC is this year. I mean, it's just like I'm I'm out here on the West Coast, you know, West Coast Conference, baby. They could get as many bids as the ACC this year. You got the San Francisco Dons rolling. I got, Joe Lenardi's got him in the ten seed right now. How about Hub Sendak getting career win number five hundred? I I, I mean, night. good on good on Herb. Uh, but you know, I don't know about his his Santa Clara uh team this year. They're they're in they're in the conversation. I don't think they're one of the the West Coast Conference uh, contenders. But yeah. All right, Matt. What's uh? We've given you our, our lay of the land for the ACC. What's what's yours? All right, I, I Duke won. I agree with y'all. I think Miami kind of demoted to clear too, but then a uh, second tier of um, Miami, Carolina. I think it's a little bit below Miami. I think Carolina kind of a, a good chalk team, if that makes sense. They'll be They're yeah, really they'll beat the teams at- they should be. Yeah, and they're really good at that. They're very consistent at it, and sometimes they do it impressively. But against the upper echelon teams, they haven't shown a whole lot. Um, yeah, I think Notre Dame now won six in a row, so you gotta kind of feel like that they're trending that way. Virginia will be there at the end, just by the nature and style of their play. They'll win games. And I don't think it's as good as Virginia team as years past. So maybe that four after them with Florida State right there. I think Florida State has the potential. Uh, it's quite, quite put it together yet. Uh, and then after that, Wake Forest. I have what I would call a wild card. I would say Wake Forest 
and Clemson are kind of your wild cards. Then I would put Virginia Tech, Syracuse, and NC State together after that. Um, at the kind of teams that probably don't look like they're NCAA bound or NIT bound, but you can't take for granted when you play them. And then I have the bottom. I think the bottom three have established themselves, Pitt, Georgia Tech, and Boston College. So I don't know if I left out a team. But uh, Too many Louisville. teams. I, I put Louisville kind of in between the NC State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse group, and that Clemson workforce group. Maybe they're in that Clemson workforce group. I like the way you characterize NC State's tier as the as the not probably not an NCAA tournament team, but you can't take them for granted. I think that's the perfect explanation for NC State in that tier. I, I you know I mimic your your back half of the ACC tiers there. I do think NC State and Virginia Tech are both above that bottom tier for sure. Uh, Notre Dame, talk about that six game win streak. I just you know had me I think it's search a little games. bit. Yeah, six games. Here are those six games, Matt. Western Michigan, Texas A&M, uh, CC. I would assume that stands for Community College. Uh, Corpus Christi. It stands for Corpus Christi. <laughs> it might as well be Community College. Uh, I mean, that's that's not a whole point, but technically it's. Well, Corpus they beat Christi. Texas A&M Corpus Christi by ten points in South Bend. So congratulations to the Fighting Irish for that. And also they beat Pittsburgh by one point. They beat Georgia Tech by that's four points. I saw that game. Yeah. And they beat Clemson by uh, 12. They did beat the Tar Heels in South Bend. That's the most impressive win of that six-game streak. But uh, let's not go. Let's not put the Fighting Irish in, in ink in the NCAA tournament quite yet. Um, okay, that'll do it. That you know goes to show you there's a lot, a lot to play for. And you know, NC State just get to Greensboro and see what could happen. It could be one of those years where maybe, uh, you know, maybe if Duke gets eliminated early in, in the ACC tournament. Coach K's last year, that'd be fitting. Just go ahead and start preparing for the NCAA tournament. Just, you know, take a knee in that in that first game in Greensboro Wait, for his retirement. Is the ACC tournament in Brooklyn this year? See, it's on the East Coast somewhere. I know I'm not going to be there. That's all I know. Uh, it, but, you know, that that stinks that it's not in Greensboro. That's, another, that's a conversation for another day, Matt. I'm just saying. I mean, you say show up in Greensboro, there'd be not, there'd be nothing there to show up at. Well, we know we know who's gonna win in Greensboro. It's gonna be the Wolfpack. The women. Wolfpack women. The Wolfpack right. women is gonna be the winner in Greensboro. But uh, anyways, that is going that we are finally going to conclude this podcast on that. So uh, thank you to Matt Coe for your debut on the Wolfpacker podcast. Uh, yep. Let's see. Go follow. What's what's your Twitter handle for the people at home? Before I forget. Um, yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for having me on. I love talking NC State and college basketball. I could do it for hours. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> follow me on Twitter at underscore Matt Co. It's spelled C-O-E. I talk NC State basketball mostly, uh, but, you know, I give my thoughts on a lot of different sports, mainly college basketball. So if you guys love talking sports, hit me up. Well, go follow Matt Co. right now on Twitter. Lastly, before we conclude this podcast, remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you watch these podcasts on our YouTube channel, which we post all of them there, uh, please give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment while you're at it. You can follow us on social media. The main account is at the Wolfpacker. Go follow Matt Coe, and also you can give me a follow if you want, at Justin H. Will on Twitter. And then give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on thewolfpacker.com. 
Lastly, go to thewolfpacker.com and take advantage of the special deal. For just $1, you get a year's worth of premium subscription to the On3 network. Go take advantage of that special deal now at thewolfpacker.com. So for Matt Coe, Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.